Hello, and welcome to Filmmates. I'm Leaf. And I'm JJ. Here at Filmmates, we make use of both our film degrees and our real-life industry experience to analyze popular movies and shows on a more technical level. Think of us as your very own film major roommates who overanalyze every damn thing you put on the television and ruin all your favorite TV shows and movies. Except, unlike most film majors, you can actually get us to shut up by hitting the pause button. This week, we're looking at Spy Kids. Spy Kids is a movie that I have a very fun and unique relationship with because um, it terrified me as a child very deeply. Um, I still have vague nightmares about the, the fucking Fooglies. Those deep, that, that deeply <laughs> upset me as a child. I don't know why. I just always just realized that they weren't real. And it was solely because of the fact that Antonio Banderas is in the movie. And I already saw Zorro by the point that I watched this movie. And so I was just like, well, he can't be both Zorro and this random spy guy. So therefore, But he can't be turned real. into a Fugly. He can't be turned into a Fugly, and that's scary. That is the scary part. Holy shit. Okay. Why did they think that the TV show within the movie was something that children should actually watch? Yeah, I don't quite get that. It's because... <laughs> deeply upsetting nightmare fuel. And as a child, it scared me. It scared me so bad. Here's the thing. You're more scared of that, but I was actually more frightened by the by the thumb thumbs because of the fact that they had no faces and therefore they had no feelings. <laughs> they were very emotive thumb thumbs. I like the fact that they're called thumb thumbs. Anyway, so we, we wait a minute. Can we please talk about how the female thumb thumb was not a thumb? Wait, what? You didn't realize? Like, those were too tiny to be thumbs. Okay, okay. Like, the female thumb-thumb was deeply upsetting to me for a lot of reasons. Uh, mainly because it was curvy. I Every time I look at it, I remember when I used to wear, like, long nails, and I would, like, bump my nail into something, and that being just so painful. I couldn't imagine walking on <laughs> those nails for some reason. <laughs> the, the click of the oh my god oh remember like me when i was like would be typing and you would be like i can hear you in the other room that's how loud they would be oh my goodness and the and the, the paint would chip constantly anyway so so now that logistics you, of thumb thumbs the, the logistics of thumb thumbs that's what we should call this <laughs> logistics of thumb thumbs we watched the movie and we noticed a few things about it so we decided to kind of break down what stood out to us the most on a technical level about this film i want to talk about the story uh of spy kids because i think it's actually pretty good uh it held up surprisingly well uh what i really love about the story and the writing in general is that it feels like it's coming out of the mind of a child like, there are certain things where, as an adult, I'm like, that doesn't make sense, or that's not logical. But if you if you look at it from a child's perspective, it does make sense. There is a, there is a logic to, to things. Yeah, and I also feel like, it, it's, as long as you spend a certain level of disbelief, then it works. Yeah. And there's also, like, just good, like, there is, like, definitely, like, still a lot of questions. Yeah. <laughs> like, what is the floop's purposes? And, like... <laughs> what is this army for? And like, why is he also a children's show host? Why? Why? What career is this? Why? Why is the food always awful? Oh, oh we'll get into the we'll um, get into the fucking food. There's like definitely things like that. 
But the thing I think the story gets really, really well is pacing. Yes. Like, I feel like there's an issue in a lot of films where it starts, even a lot of kids' films, is where there's a lot of build-up to something, and, and it gets really boring. Yeah. Especially with, like, spy shows and spy mm-hmm. movies, is that, like, there's a lot of setup, and then there's a cool impact, but for the for children, it's hard to get that build-up without mm-hmm. it getting boring. So it's cool that they interjected all this build-up into the parents, like, getting taken and mm-hmm. all this stuff so that it doesn't get stale or boring or, like, it... it Honestly, like, by the time we got to, like, the last 15 minutes, I didn't even realize an hour passed. Yeah, I mean, it's a short film, but it makes use of its time very well. And I liked a lot of the dialogue. Sometimes it got a little bit too cheesy, like, uh, Carmen's whole speech at the end where she's like, oh, no, we're doing this as a family because that's what family is all about. And I I was, like, practically groaning. I mean, they had lines like that, but then they also had gems like, you did that on purpose, you kamikaze. kamikaze. Oh my gosh. Um, which Every, is, everything that comes out of Floop in Minion's mouths is so fucking funny. I honestly wonder if some of their stuff was together improv. was improv because both of them are like pretty good actors. Like Minion is played by the guy who is Monk. Yeah, the guy who plays Monk. Um, so he's got some serious comedy chops. And so I wouldn't be shocked if... Um, and then Alan Cumming, of course. Of course. I also just love the fact that Minion's name is Minion, but he's not really his, a Minion. His name isn't actually Minion. They mention what his name is at some point. Like but his actual real him. name. They still but call they him still Mr. call Minion him Minion. Throughout the entire thing, they still call him Minion. Even if he's not Minion, he's, he's still Minion. Which, uh, it's so funny. Yeah, um, like I liked a lot of the adult stuff. Like, uh, a lot of the adult scenes I thought were very well-written and well-paced. I liked uh, some of the dialogue writing that subtly hinted that the parents were not happy with the life that they were living. Not even just dialogue, but also, like, you can see it in, like, the acting choices they made and, like, the cutting. Like, they had... Mm -hmm. The the fact that they even had that little scene where, like, he daydreamed about fighting the guy Mm -hmm. showed everything that you need to know about him. Yeah, and and the way she ended the, the story about her wedding their their wedding with uh and then they they were better off they were better off instead of saying they lived happily ever after that was a fun little thing yeah um yeah so i thought the story and the writing were pretty good uh on a whole for for this kind of a film some of it felt like a little bit easy on the character development side especially with junie where it suddenly was like oh he was the heart the whole time, and he just easily convinces Floop to help him. I mean, I, I sort of bought it, but sometimes it was a little bit flimsy. I mean, yeah, I mean, he did have to, like, change his... Like, it should have been more... Like, they should have made a little bit of backstory for Floop for that to work, in my opinion. Yeah. Like, I want to know what ha- how Floop even got into children's television. It feels like he was a... Yeah. Floop, Floop's career path makes no sense, but... That's, we'll, we'll ignore that because Alan Cummings hilarious, but it makes no sense. Um, yeah, that, that goes right into the he, casting Do you know who Floop reminds me of a little bit, and I hate to say it, but the Johnny Depp, uh, Willy Wonka? No! But only, no. only, only, only during that food scene where he has, like, the gross and awful, like, might be paint food. And, <laughs> like, the bouncing that plate. Was, okay, we'll have to talk about the bouncing plate, because... That that scene. Mm. That haunts my dream. But I thought that the casting was overall uh, pretty 
like really good. The family looks like a family. They also have like really good chemistry with each other. Yeah. Like even like the kids have great chemistry with the parents. Yeah. Like even they have great chemistry with the random uncle who's not their uncle. Who's not their uncle. I'm not their uncle. I love the fact that he had to take off his, his mustache, mustache to reveal that he's not and the uncle. And then literally the very next thing, he's putting it back on. What was the purpose of the mustache? The whole running gag with the guys and mustaches was actually, it was actually kind of funny. Like, you could tell which scenes uh, was Antonio Banderas's actual mustache and which scenes were a fake mustache, though. I hate the mustache. Anyway, I thought it was funny. It's funny, but I just like looking at it makes me makes me just go. Wow. And having Alan Alan Cumming play Fluke was just perfect, perfect, because um, that he brings that sort of energy. I did not like the casting of like the actual bad guy, the 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 spy guy who actually who is he working for? He's just a vague villain. Who is he working for? Well, I, that's what I'm saying. What's the purpose of this army? What is their goal? We don't know. Also, I really hated the the casting for the woman with a really bad wig. Yeah, that gets like, set on the, fire. Like those two villains were not like those two actors were not very good. Like they didn't strike the right balance between like uh, hammy acting and like realistic acting, in my opinion. They also didn't do anything with like the why are they villains. They just kind of are villains because they're villains and they're doing something bad. Which, I get, again, I think could fall into, like, the children's, uh, it's a children's movie and it's from the logic of a child, so the bad guys are just bad guys. But yeah. I kind of wish I knew who these bad guys were, who they were working for. Like, I'm guessing that the woman was part of OS OSS and she has, yeah, had, she, she had some sort of romantic interest in Minion, I guess. Yeah, that was a weird little Which detail. was kind of odd choice because it just doesn't go anywhere yeah it's anything. just kind of it doesn't really a, serve a point besides like oh yeah here's my chick she had all of her hair burnt off except some weird strands and also she doesn't affect by she, doesn't she was not affected by fire she had fire blown in her face <laughs> fireproof woman but not the wig oh my god she's daenerys targaryen oh jj <laughs> I'm just saying. JJ, we're not doing Game of Jesus Thrones yet. She's fireproof. I did love, however, I did love the fact that they cast all of like the the human minion guys who uh, who worked for the OSS like double crossing lady, whatever the hell her name was. I also I like loved the how they all they were all cast to look like a uh, cast and then styled to look like fucking Tom Cruise from uh, Mission Impossible. Do you know what's great? I really like the acting of all, every single one of the brainless children. Yes, they were <laughs> all actually really good. And they were all adorable. They were all really cute. Uh, terrifying when I was a child. Cute as an adult. Oh gosh, they were deeply terrifying as a child. Now that I think of it, it is deeply terrifying. Their eyes look like cats when you take a photo of them, though. <laughs> oh gosh. Uh, the production design on this film is very interesting, in my opinion. I think there was a lot of, like, hits or misses in the production design. Like, I think they did a really, really stellar on, like, the set building and a lot of the world building, like, in the bedroom. But then there was, like, standout moments where I was just like, okay, I'll give it to you. Like, the no wart with the X over the wart. I'm like, that just... I like the no wart. I guess it's cheesy, but, like... 
okay, I'll, I'll give it to you. Here, here is my problem with the no wart bottle is everything else on the, like, so at the beginning of the film, they, Junie and Carmen are getting ready for bed and Carmen asks her mom to tell her a story and that story that she tells is how she and their father met. Um, and Junie, there's a bit in the scene where Junie's putting on uh, medication for all of his warts that he has, which is like a, a character thing about him that he has warts because he's a scared. It makes no sense. But like the bottle that he, the bottle of wart medication just has, like it's like a plain label with mm -hmm. the only thing on it being the word wart with like a, a red X over it, like yep. a circle and a cross out over it. Like, so it's no wart. And it's like nothing else on, on the countertop behind that bottle looks like that. They all look like bought props from like a CVS or a Walgreens. Yeah, like they look like pretty standard, like what every American household would probably have in their bathroom. So, so my problem with the warp bottle isn't it on its own; it's the fact that nothing else in that scene has that same cartoon. And that logic. makes it just like stand out even more. Yeah, in my opinion. But aside from the warp bottle, they had some like really cool like prop gems, like when like especially when you get to like the machete stuff. Machete. Oh, I loved Machete's shop. I loved. Okay, my two my two favorite things though is one the random bowl of fingers. For <laughs> when when he, when he's for, when you first see Machete, and uh, they come in and he's showing them the the tiniest camera in the world. There's just like this glass bowl filled with like fake fingers. I love the fact that just nobody's acknowledging it, and it's cool. But I also really like things like the. Um, they have like a lightsaber dagger, yes, or like the the glow the super powerful glow sticks they have. I kind of really like that. I also love the fact that they have them cuddle up with a hulu dancer. Uh. <laughs> they Indiana Jones it and replace the the Grail that is the map of Floop's castle with a with the hula dancer, which are they, it doesn't make sense. It makes but, no sense, but, but it's, I'll go it's with very it. funny. Uh, well, it's not very funny. It's just mildly funny, but I thought it was funny. Um, how many times can I say the word funny? As many times as you want, I'm guessing. I don't have a funny limit? That's great. Um, but you gotta start interjecting with, like, goofy every once in a while. So yeah, we, just, so, just we, so it's So fresh. we have some differentiation of levels. You tried that word. You tried that word. It and I think you, And I think you almost got it. I. You have to just show a difference in these two. Yeah. Goofy is just, like, the extra level. Yeah, goofy, silly. Like, um, like... Everything involving Floop is goofy. Oh, no. Floop, Floop is, um... Floop's what is television show is goofy. Also, no, Floop's television show is terrifying. Floop's television show has has secret agents who have been turned into fucking monsters screaming in backwards for people to come save them. That's terrifying. And then Wait, there's a man floating... that help us, save us. No, no, don't get that stuck in my head. And there's an eyeball, hideable eyeballs just floating around in the background. Yeah, that's the thing that always got me. And also the fact that the how they shoot it defies all logic of film. Like, like the, the, the thumb thumbs disappear. You find out they're all just somehow floating. In the like, virtual room because understand. that's how green screen works. It's, I love the fact that they do use green and blue screen so they can tell you that they know a slate about the industry. <laughs> and there's like a little bit of texture in that room. There's a joke so in weird. there somewhere about how bad the VFX are with with 
cor- correlating with what they apparently think how they apparently think VFX works, but I just can't come up with it yet. Oh my gosh! Let's, I can barely we'll, even get that sentence. We'll out. find one. Yeah. So the production design, I liked a lot of. It. I liked a lot of the wardrobe. Wardrobe, I I enjoyed a lot of it, but then there were some things I was just like, what? And here's the thing: it has nothing to do with any of the actual human characters. I just really, really hate the onesies on the thumb thumbs. They just make me deeply uncomfortable. They look like overgrown children. And they're wearing fingerless gloves, though. They're wearing fingerless gloves, JJ. I just dislike it. Spandex fingerless gloves on the thumb thumbs, except for the the female thumb thumb who's wearing a nursing outfit. And that makes me very concerned about Robert Rodriguez. What is his fetish that he has a, a sentient hand? In a nurse's costume, what, what is his fetish? So, he doesn't have a foot fetish. He's not Quentin Tarantino. He has, he has a hand fetish. He's just worked with Quentin. Oh my gosh. Sin City, we need to watch Sin City because uh, that was co-directed by Quentin Tarantino. No, it was not. He, Quentin Tarantino was just a guest director on this. What a guest director is doing on a movie, I have no idea. Yeah, it was directed by Frank Miller, who's directed like only other one, one other film called The Spirit, and also isn't a director he's a comic book writer and debatably an artist i mean sin city is basically a comic book yeah it's just a it's a motion comic book they shoot it like it's supposed to look like a comic this book. is not a review of sin city um <laughs> i liked the colors that they put on on people i really liked the uh the color palette that they chose so for films uh, whenever you see a film, it's extremely designed. There's no col- There should be no colors there that were not purposeful. And every film has a very set and defined color palette to it. And I really liked sort of the warm color palette that they had with like lots of earth tones, like, yeah. and then also like some reds and oranges with like the hints of like a like some green and a little bit of purple. Yeah, and here's an interesting thing to think about, is that the the minion is yeah. the only character who does minion and the actual bad guy, bad guy who wears the tan suit are the only people who are wearing white. Yeah, and also like the, pure the, white a lot. Like they're wearing very neutral tones, and everybody else is wearing a lot more color clothing. They like the mother and the daughter both were red. Junie is wearing, like, red and purple, which is matching Floop's costume, which I think is a signal. Yeah. That, like, Floop isn't really that big of a bad guy because and, and of the fact how, that he's wearing, like, these purples and, like... And how he and Junie are connected. Yeah. I um, just didn't like the fact that the woman... I felt like the woman should have been wearing something, like, different, like, blue or white, yeah, too. Yeah, she was wearing red. Because she was wearing red, and I thought that she just felt out of place with the other bad guys. Yeah, I, I get that it was trying to do that classic femme fatale red dress, but it doesn't really work when their color logic has already been connecting those reds between uh, Carmen and the mother. Um, and also in, like, Floop's, like, certain parts mm-hmm. of Floop's outfits, and so it, it kind of, like, I was like, oh, well, it had an effect, and then it kind of ruined and then also, a bit. But also, you have the Thumb Thumbs all be red as well. But the Thumb Thumbs aren't necessarily, like, bad people. Like, they exist. They're, they're robots. Yeah, like, they're Floop, so therefore Floop isn't bad, so therefore the Thumb Thumbs technically aren't bad. The thing that gets me which is also the weird Star Trek costumes that these children are wearing. Which also, I think, was a, a good indication that they weren't really Floop's idea before, before he says that, uh... 
the children were Minion's idea and not Floop's. They kind of match Minion's aesthetic. And and when we say and when we say pure white, we don't actually mean pure white because uh, it's very rare that you will ever see pure white on camera because it just doesn't read well. Usually it's yeah. like some sort of off white. Like they had an off white, uh, white and gray. Yeah, uh, it was like a white gray. And, um, it was on the, it was a very cool, like, they are just on very cool tones side of the spectrum, in my opinion, mm-hmm. comparatively to the very warm tones of the rest of the film. The rest of the film, the location as a whole was very warm toned. Yeah. Um, and that's a very big part of it. Uh, I also loved the glove hand. The glove, the but Michael- I don't think they introduced it very well. Yeah. I think it's funny, like, now that I look back on it. Wait, 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 because of the glove. Wait, 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 I've stumbled upon something forbidden. It's not that Robert Rodriguez has a hand fetish. Floop has a hand fetish. He has sits on a chair that's literally the shape of a hand. Oh, Alan Cumming. I'm sorry I'm doing this to you. <laughs> I'm sorry, Alan Cumming. Cummings? 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 Who knows? Um, nobody can Nobody can know actually what his name is. I'm pretty <laughs> sure it's Alan Cummings, which is... Yep, it's... No, it's Alan Cumming. It's Alan Cumming. So, yeah, I'm sorry, Alan Cumming, but you played a hand fetish. A hand fetishist. Because, that like, like, that's the know. only explanation I have for his overemphasis on hands. Why they're called... Why they're thumb-thumbs. Why, why there's a sexy thumb-thumb? Why he sits on a, on a chair that's so impractical that only he can sit on it. Minion <laughs> can't sit on it. Minion doesn't nearly have enough homosexual undertones to sit on it. Because let's be honest. Let's be, and, and I'm gay, so I can say that. Let's be honest. Um, for some reason, one of my notes about the costume design is I hate that freaking choker. The choker on the mall. Yeah, I just for some reason it's something about it so just makes 90s. me deeply mad. It's so it here's aggravates the thing, here's me. The thing, it's got like these little like details mm-hmm. on the very. It's a very plain choker, mostly a very thin black choker with like these little bits of green right in the middle. So it looks like some sort of gadget because a lot of the other gadgets look like just normal things with like weird, weird things on them. And that's yeah, that's how. We're going to describe this. Um, Don't say anything about the Wait, no, I'm getting distracted because I pulled up Alan Cumming, uh, like, okay, Alan Cumming's, uh, like, little side bit of information when you Google his name says that his spouse is Grant Schaefer twice. He got married to him apparently in 20... in 2012, but also married to him from 2007 to 2012. And I'm deeply curious as to no, why. No, it's because of actual legalization of gay marriage in the U.S. Oh, so he got married. Wait, hold on. Wait, what? Okay. Okay, so when you click on the name of his, his husband, Grant Schaefer... <laughs> The main picture for him is a picture of Alan Cumming. So I was deeply confused as to why he married a man who looks exactly like him. He looks like him, but younger. But because it's not. He looks <laughs> like I'm looking at an actual picture of, of uh, Alan Schaefer. And he looks nothing. Grant Schaefer? Grant Schaefer. <laughs> <laughs> they have become one person now. <laughs> Wait, wait, the pic, the, 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 like, the description on this picture, uh, and Google Images is, Grant Schaefer by reveals from birthday and age to gay husband Alan Cumming. <laughs> anyway. 
Um, so now, <laughs> okay. Little did you know, this isn't actually an Alan Cumming podcast. All we talk about is Alan Cumming films with the pretext that they're about something else, but it's all about Alan Cumming. What would we do next? I mean, obviously we're going to do Spy Kids 2 next, which is also an Alan Cumming film because he's the best character in, in it. In it, in it, even though he's um, only in it for... One scene? No, he's in it for like approximately two minutes. And they were the best that's two not, minutes That's of not my like life. an understatement or an exaggeration or anything. He is in there for about a total of two minutes. Best two minutes of the film. Best two minutes of the film, except for the additional two minutes where it's Minion. Or, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute... The ballet scene. No, okay. Uh, okay, we're we're talking about Spy Kids one. Um, but going back to another part of um production design, the miniature building. Yes, they, I think this also ties in with the the VFX. They have a gorgeous miniature that they definitely built for the um the flute set. Yeah, that's the composited in actually pretty well too. I it looks like what they did is they built the miniature set over and have it around green screen and then they composited it in yeah. over footage of an actual I do think like, it was in a little tiny side. pool though. Yeah, I wouldn't be shocked because the water looked fairly well with it. For some reason every time I see it though, it reminds me of Luna Lovegood's house in in Deathly Hollows, a movie I have not seen. Uh which we will see eventually. I have seen here's the thing about me and Harry Potter. I've seen every Harry Potter film except Deathly Hollows and um both Deathly Hollows? I thought you saw one of the Deathly Hollows. Yeah, I've... Uh, wait. No, ha- except for half... I got them mixed up. That's how good of a Harry Potter fan I, I am. I've seen uh-huh. every single one except for Half-Blood Prince. Okay. And Deathly Hallows Part 1. That's right. I've seen Deathly Hallows Part 2. In theaters, no less. But I have not seen Deathly ha- Hallows Part 1. I mean, at least you know the conclusion. <laughs> I know how it ends. Well, I've read the books. Well, that's a, that's okay, then. Anyway, we're not talking about Harry Potter. This is not a Harry Potter podcast, although we will get to those films. Um, I think that the the flute, going back to the flute. Going back to the actual topic at hand. The flute said, I think that was the best green screen use in the entire film because it's the only one where I didn't get completely distracted by the fact that, that they were using a green screen and that it was very obvious. And they also weren't using Windows... PC backgrounds for their <laughs> for, for their shots. Yeah, this film makes use of a lot of stock footage. Um, and and the, the VF- virtual room. There wasn't actually as much VFX as you might expect from a Robert Rodriguez film, um, <laughs> especially Robert Rodriguez uh, of Shark Boy and Lava Girl of fame. Shark Bo- Shark Boy Lava Girl fame and Spy Kids three fame. <laughs> Spike is three three D fame. Um, yeah, so the what was practical looked really good for the most part. I liked a lot of their models. the The art department was impressive with what they put together. The art department was impressive, especially since it was actually relatively, actually just super tiny for a yeah, project we, of this we size. Watched through the credits, and the art department is like the of the main art department. There was like one of each role which honestly like on most films i'm going to say that uh, i'm going to say on a a film with like especially building sets you would normally have a production design team of maybe 20 people at minimum yeah i mean this is this is pretty intense work for like i I think that it was like 10 core actually not even 10 probably like eight core people and then like six 
like six or maybe nine carpenters to build everything. Yeah, they had, um... Yeah, they had, um... They had, like, a five set dressers, which is... Which is not much when it comes to, like, the food, when you, like, get into, like, how much food they use. Gross food, by the way. And they have, like... Oh, we'll talk about the food. Construction, um... Set painters. There's, like... There's a few. I mean, but, like, the, there's a lot of There's a lot of set painting. painters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, you have to think about the, the flute set. All the walls had to have been hand-done because they're, like, yeah. textured in a certain way. So. Oh, there's some nepotism in the prop maker's department because... There's Debbie Bilski and Randy Bilski, and those are either a couple, brother and sister, or people who are not even remotely related. Uh, he doesn't, uh, wait a minute, can we just get to the fact that Robert Rodriguez does not know what nepotism is, and that it's a problem because of the fact that the whole second movie is about nepotism? <laughs> well, we'll talk about that when we get to that. I, I, I do have, like, I think the the makeup is okay on some people and then some people the makeup is just like they had a lot of carpenters cheesy well i mean they built an entire set yeah I they, like. they I th- it looked like, a lot of the interiors looked like sets yeah I'm, th- i think that they had to have a lot of carpenters on the um just the the flute, flute green screen room as itself with the platforms yeah. and stuff like that so i'm not shocked that there's a lot of carpenters and then they also use carpenters to build the miniatures too and I feel like there's carpenters involved in some of the stuff for, like, the inventions. Yeah. And the jungle gym set. Like, it makes sense. Oh, they only had one. I love the one, the fact that somebody on this called Ron Rock White. There's some great names. Uh, I mean, you would expect, like, normally on, like, a big budget Hollywood film, it's, it's, some of these departments can be, like, Think about this. I've worked on commercial. I worked production design on commercials that have had bigger production design teams than this. Medical commercials have a billion, yeah, <laughs> a billion art department people for no apparent reason. But yeah, I've worked on like music videos and and stuff like that where they have had bigger art departments than this. So yeah, it's it's, I, it's shocking to me that this has happened. Yeah, and in. With such a small crew and in such a short amount of time. Yeah. They were he was cranking out movies one after the other at this point in his career. Yeah. Yeah. He is a very prolific filmmaker. Uh but we'll we'll talk about how prolific he is in the when we get to Spy Kids too, because it's it gets <laughs> wild. Robert Rodriguez did a lot on both of those movies. Um so the stock I wasn't a huge fan of the stock footage that they used. They shot this on film. Um, so, and, and you can tell it was shot on film with the, the grain and everything. Yeah. But th- there was, like, certain places where the film that they used was weirdly degraded. Um, and I don't know if that was just the transfer that was used. I wonder if it was an issue within color correction that distorted it and made it look Yeah, we'd, we'd have Wait. to see, we'd have to see a different it on a different source because sometimes like to, as a small explanation when you see a film on say hulu or netflix uh that film was not originally digital it was originally actually on tape it was on yeah. on film and it had to be transferred and so sometimes you can't always tell if you're looking at a digital copy of something that was originally shot in film you can't always tell if some of the distortions yeah. and the quality issues are something that are from the original or if it's just because the particular film or the particular tape that they used um, when creating the digital version 
was corrupted in some way. Yeah. Like, there's a... In the scene where Junie and Carmen are in, on the playground, there's, like, this weird black bar that shows up um, That that's definitely, uh, like, a flaw in the film that shows up uh, during one shot with... Uh, with a Junie in it, and it's so strange to see, because it, it's... They probably didn't have a lot of money to spend on actual film. Yeah. Because film is... People Even don't realize that film is, like... Very expensive. Like, blood money. You need to sell your kidney to get film for and, a movie. Yeah, like... Even back then, I'm because this was shot in uh, I want to say around ninth, like it was released in two thousand and one. So therefore, it probably was shot with like two thousand. I, I want to say nineteen ninety nine was probably when it was yeah. shot. It was it was came released two thousand one because two, and the next one was two thousand two, and then it was two thousand three. Yeah. So um, it was probably shot in around around nineteen ninety nine two thousand, um, and even then, film was kind of expensive. It wasn't as expensive as it is now because pretty much uh, Kodak is pretty much the sole supplier of film these days. Because film is dying out. It's not as... It's not as and so used. they can charge as much as they want. Because the people who want to use it know they want to use it and they'll spend an arm and a leg and yeah. sell their children for it. Yeah. Which is why um, you, you don't see a lot shot on film. It's actually a... But uh, going back to seeing the most authentic version of it, the only way for you to really see a film in its most authentic version is to see it in theaters. Yeah. In its original run. Yeah. And uh, we, we just, so we, we can't tell you. What, what we can tell you is that the stock footage that they used was crappy. The quality of the stock footage yeah. that they used was not very good at all. And it was clearly a lower resolution. Some of it was clearly a lower resolution than... Um, yeah, I honestly would not be shocked if they actually bought it from Windows PC. Because some of it, I swear, was my mom's computer background when I was growing up. Yeah, like, it, it looks like, like, the film, I'm pretty sure it was shot 1920 uh, by 1080, mm-hmm. but it looks to me like some of the stock footage that they used was 720, uh, so these are different uh, resolutions. Like, uh, like for example, when you hear the term 4K, that's a, re- uh, a reference to a resolution. 4K resolution is 3840 by 2160 pixels, um, so it's like the number of pixels that are being used across your screen. Yeah. And most things these days, HD is uh, 1920 by 1080p. And it's even back in 2000. Yeah, re- resolution is why, like, uh, if you look at old episodes of a TV show from, like, say, the 90s, it looks... Like, if you look at Seinfeld, it's like... I, I it's like a it's box. Most. It's a square box. Yeah. Because the resolution that I was shot in is not the resolution that uh, TVs are being played at now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you can see it mostly in, like, I feel like 90s sitcoms. It's the worst. But anyway, that's that's beside the point. That's a fun little lesson on resolution. Um, but back to VFX, for some reason, the shot where she is, like, flying over the city and she's holding Judy oh. gave me almost motion sickness with how jarring. The, at like, at the some <laughs> point, you could tell that they intentionally blew out, and blew out as a technical term to refer to making the whites far too bright and yeah. uh, overexposing. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, so there's a shot where they're, they're in the sky, uh, Carmen is holding onto Junie, she's got a jet pack on, and she doesn't have full control, and they're flying over a city, and she zooms in from the sky above, and the sun, they positioned the sun, like, directly behind her, so you couldn't really see it, and I think the reason why they did that, we, 
actually watched these with a animation and VFX major roommate of ours, and she mm-hmm. was like, you could tell they blew that out so you couldn't see how yeah. bad it was, because it was bad. There was, like, it, if you looked at the CGI of the ground below them, it actually changes how close they are to the ground, but not in a way that makes sense. Like, they're suddenly, yeah. like, It made me falling. feel, like, almost, like, it was hard for me to even pay attention to how awful it was because of the fact that it kept making me feel, like, almost ill. Like, they're falling, and they look like they're just about to hit the ground, and then she manages to zoom back up, and they're suddenly, like, when when she makes the turn to keep them from falling, like, like, Junie's falling, and when she finally catches him, He's not as close to the ground as he was before. Yes. Even though he was falling, so he should be closer to the ground. And it was it was bizarre. Honestly, that whole sequence is bizarre, and especially the ending of that sequence where they just, like, go up to a random couple and, like, just, just like, grab their arm. I and, like, like it. it was kind of, it was, like... And they just accepted it. Like, oh, like, oh these yeah. two strange yeah, children. Yeah, like, they welcome to the trolley. Welcome. I'm gonna pat your head. Where we're on what appears to be a date right in the middle of the day. Because uh, they were <laughs> dressed in formal wear. They, he, they he looked like they were going up, to prom. Yeah, he was, like, straight up wearing a tux or something. And she was wearing, like, a dress. And, and they were, like, drinking champagne or some shit. Like, it, maybe it was a wedding. Yeah, like I feel like a lot of weddings are on wedding. trolley. But, but he's wearing a suit, so it just is okay. Like, none of this makes quite sense. Um, I, I do like the, the fact that they do the quick change like their parents. Yeah, yeah. The what They're not drinking champagne. The woman is... The man is wearing a... a he's just I, holding a flower. She's one. holding a rose. And, and she looks like she's in an evening gown. Oh, and they shot this at Magic Hour. They shot a lot of it. They shoot, do a lot of shooting at Magic Hour, I feel Which like, in both films. Which doesn't always work. And it I also mean, is weird on your production schedule, too. Yeah, okay, so Magic Hour, just as a reference, is a... There's two Magic Hours in the day, and it's, um... It's like, um... When the, the sun is out, it's a good spot for, like... For, for shooting, shooting, because when you're shooting outside... It basically gives the effect of it being, like, a very warm... And dreamy, yeah. and... Because it's, it's like, it's like... Normally, if you see a romance scene of people in a, like, field, it's like... It's dotted gold It's hour. like a, it's like a two hours before sunset, and, like... Two hours... Golden hour in the morning is, like, four to, like, six a.m., I'm gonna say. Yeah. But it, you have to, like, if, if you're shooting at a golden hour, your call time to wake up in the morning is gonna be three in the morning. It's gonna be three in the morning. And it's... Actually, actually, if you're shooting at all, your call time is gonna be three in the morning. <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah. I've, I've had three a.m. call times. I've, I've had call times for, ranging from three a.m. to call times at, like, midnight. Yeah. So, <laughs> fun, fun. Fun things. Yeah. Um, and so I don't know if it quite works for them to, to shoot at Golden Hour the way that they did. Like, the film is very much set in a child's mind. And so it's very, like, wonderful. But, like, I this th- scene is, like, an intense chase scene. Why is it shot at, at this hour? I think it's just a Robert Rodriguez thing. He likes things to be very warm. Mm-hmm. And, and that therefore he likes shooting to at be golden hour makes warm. sense but the thing is like the, the here's like the real issue to me though is that this is that golden hour but then the scene right like there's a scene pretty close after it that is shot 
like in a well, park and it's not it's like obviously after golden hour but if they show no, it's it, bef- no this looks like golden hour towards the end of the day no but i'm saying that the scene immediately after this is not at golden hour they're at like the park and it's like very bright and sunny day yeah, it's like the middle of the day. And so, the therefore, day. it doesn't quite make sense of why this is golden hour, nearing the end of the day, but the stuff in the park is, like, obviously supposed to be, like, is, like, normally earlier. So, yeah, this is, like, this oh, is, and you can tell in between, in between cuts that it's different times of the day. Yeah, there's a lot of that, but that's, like. Oh, I, I also love the definite use of a bounce on her face here. Yeah. Because they, they shot that scene um, in the shade, and, like, the light source, the, the strongest bit of light is behind them. So they use a bounce, which is basically this big uh, circle of reflective material that you can cover in, like, a silver reflective material, or it's white, or... Or they just use a giant board of white. Yeah, that also works, but I think they used uh, a gold... They definitely use a gold reflector. I think he primarily only uses gold Go- reflectors because of the fact that he just likes everything to look very warm. Yeah, especially so you in can this tell, film. So you can tell that it's a reflector because your light source is behind you and their faces are generally in shadow, but the shadows are not nearly as stark as all the shadows on, on their clothes or any other part of them. And that's because the bounce really just gets you light right on a specific area of the face so it softens those shadows and makes the face more visible Mm -hmm. um that's not really a critique of it it's just saying that that's what they're doing and you can also tell because the the light source is like coming from below a little bit yeah i wonder i feel like the shooting schedule of this had been really intense because of the amount of children in it yeah they must have been shooting like only maybe three hours or four hours a day yeah which would explain why they actually were able to get golden hours so often. Yeah. Yeah, because children, there's a lot of limitations on shooting with children because of child labor laws. And all, which is often why you see shows and movies where like teenagers a, are played by people who are in their 20s and 30s. But if you want to, like, think about it, like, Lizzie McGuire, the Lizzie McGuire movie... Um, every, almost every single scene where you don't see her actual face is not Lizzie McGuire. And we know that for a fact. We've met the director and he pointed out every single time it wasn't Lizzie McGuire, which is like most of the movie. He came to our university and he did a, like, he did a screening of Lizzie McGuire. He was supposed to do a QA, and a but he ended up doing a screening and then basically just like ruining the entire movie for us. And be like, that's not Lizzie. That's That's not not Lizzie. Lizzie. That's not even Italy. That's the back lot in, in California. Anyway, those are fun things that, that happen. Um, so, yeah, the coloring on this film was garbage. The mother looked both orange and sick at the same time somehow, and we I just don't know how that happened. It looked like they did a lot of orange, but they also pumped up greens. Yes, that and was the strangest thing. The green I've never is... Seen, I've never heard of anybody doing that. Here's... here's from from... Uh, somebody who's who's dabbled in coloring a little bit. Here's what I feel like happened. Mm-hmm. They bumped up the saturation. Oh, yeah. They bumped up the saturation, but that sometimes makes skin tones look very... You have to be careful with that because it can, if there's too much warm warmth in your color pa- palette and in your lights and everything, you have to be careful uh, about doing that because it can make 
people look very orange who like lighter skinned people look very orange and yeah um, like uh, i think the mother is the mother is supposed to also be uh latina but the actress is definitely not and the, i don't well, know she might be i'm not quite sure but if she is she's very light skinned yeah she's she's um, and it, a white latina she she's if she is she's a very affected by how they chose to light this yeah even in scenes where there's nobody else there besides her yeah, it, sometimes it almost looks like they forgot to white balance, but you know that they didn't forget to white balance because the whites are okay. It's just... I love the fact that um, they both got top billing even though they were in less of the film. She's Italian. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, but yeah, no, the... Um, the they It's just poorly done on her, and, I, and there's moments where it's also bad on the kids. Yeah. I feel like they it wasn't as bad on like Alan Cumming and yeah. them because they they were kind of Alan all, Cumming is immune to all damage. But they were all done with all white people in the in the shot. Yeah, and a lot of these kids are, are lighter skinned. The skin tones look very orange in general, but not so orange that it's like that distracting. It's more distracting to us because we look at things like that and we're pretentious. Um, I think it. I, I think it's green, not as bad as Spy Kids too. I think the green emphasizes how yeah, bad yeah, it is. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's another thing with color theory is it's not just the the colors natively. It's also what colors are next to them can affect. That's why there was the whole thing with the dress was it was people's browsers and what colors were around them affected uh, whether you saw black and blue or white and gold it can also be affected by what you see right before yes. you see it too yes so it's, it's everything surrounding it matters and they definitely bumped up the greens in post uh the color correction i another complaint i have about it is that it is very inconsistent and the playground scene there is a shot where you can tell like where when it cuts back to junie on being tormented on the, the what is that called merry-go-round it's not a merry-go-round because there's no horses on it it's not mechanical it's it's a. Uh, I didn't have a childhood so <laughs> um it's like a spinny thing the spinny thing the big spinny thing when he's on that thing when it, it cuts front it shows Carmen being lifted up by by Robo Junie and then it cuts to uh, actual Junie being tormented by Robo Carmen. Wait a minute, did your playground have one of those? I didn't have a playground. Because every playground I saw didn't have one of those. I think they were deemed too dangerous. That They could get pretty dangerous. But anyway, so it cuts back and you can tell that the color treatment is completely different because it's not as oversaturated. So it looks like it's from a different film it looks a lot flatter I mean, there's like too. cool scenes that feel like they're from different films in my opinion yeah the color correction's very inconsistent but even just shooting styles felt like they're from different films well i think that's because the the difference between 18 and 18 yeah i think that i think 18 was definitely way more skilled and i think that most of them were used um on the flute set yeah and with the parents and with the parents i even think that they were i just think that the flashbacks were all done and I think the location shoots, like the exteriors, were all done by uh, B team, and then A team was all interiors. Yeah, and I think that could be because they were sh and shot think, in different cities. I think the house itself is a set. Yeah, and it was in the same place wherever Floops is. Yeah, it feels like a set because that makes the most sense. Yeah, for them to do it that way because 
even the walls are similar in my opinion to um, yes like the the the, the one thing i want to say about uh floops castle that i didn't mention before and it's a little detail that i love is it really reflects his inner mind of being sort of like a child where everything is scaled to suit a child much more than it is an adult when you see the parents walking through it they look strangely big all the paintings are hung at a height that it suits children better than it does adults and things like that and yeah. they the like production... antonio banderas who is not a tall man by any means <laughs> looks like he's about to hit his head going through the corridor sometimes yeah and also weirdly hunched over i that, that's a different detail but uh what i didn't like so i liked the way that they the the production design and the set design reflected that um i didn't like some of the ways that the 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 props in particular chose to reflect floop's childlike nature for example the food the food in general even at the like pig intestines yeah yeah okay, what okay. Is, okay let's talk okay, about the, the food in this i film. i've eaten intestines not pig intestines because i don't eat pigs um but i've had intestines before not awful, but the way that they present them yeah, is yeah, yeah. gross because it's just like a giant it bowl lo- of like, intestines. Like it look like p- intestines when you prepare them properly are cut up and they look like a cut of meat. They look almost like a like a well, I've small. Had, no, I've I've had intestines prepared like that before, like the long ones. But you don't have just like a giant bowl of it, and they're like on. all flippy floppy, and they don't look seasoned or anything. They just look like look like a. Yeah, yeah. Pile of okay, intestines. so yeah, Michelle, like all that food looks gross, and then the soup that they're supposedly eating in Floop's castle, you can tell, you can tell that it's not edible. I think it's pain, and you can tell because Alan Cumming brings the spoon to his lips multiple times, but does not they take. They cut a to behind sip. him right before he's supposed to like be. Or or anything. or he'll stop to talk right before he takes a sip. It doesn't even touch his lips. Also, the impracticality of all of the utensils and like the plates. The are plate just, had springs underneath it, and you're just like the one that Ant- is like right next to Antonio Banderas. So was they distracting. Cut, so, so for some reason, they like have it just right in the foreground of a shot of. Of everybody of the at the table. table. And, like, you're, I'm just, just like, and why is moving. it bouncing? It's moving, which was Stop very it. distracting element to have in the foreground. And I don't think it was good positioning. But I also was, like, the spoons just, like, did not look like you would want to use them. They looked ever. like serving spoons, too. They looked like... They were so big. They looked like weird serving spoons. Like, I feel like he, there were salad serving now spoons. Now, here's, here's a deep conspiracy that I want to throw your way. The only food in the film that looks delicious and edible is when they are in the safe house and she rehydrates the packet of American food and it rehydrates into a McDonald's meal. But they also- And that is the only appetizing food. And here's my deep theory. They intentionally made the rest of the food look really gross to make the McDonald's food look really good. I mean, they had that chicken that the, that the, the Tom Cruise wannabes were all yeah, fascinated the by. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I love the the, the Flip, Tom Cruise uh, fuckers. Cereal. Yeah, Floop cereal. Well, you don't really see Floop cereal. We just see the box of Floop cereal. You just cereal, see I guess. the box of Floop cereal. Okay, Which is like why Fruit is Loops, here, I guess. Why is this man bothering with evil world domination plans when he's got a fairly successful children's TV show? Fairly successful. He's the second best in the world. But only the second best. 
and he has a great distribution deal at the time because he was, was selling great, he great was selling things like he was Doc McStuffin. Yeah, he was selling things like he was Doc McStuffins. Sure, I figure. know Doc McStuffin sells very well because my niece owned every single piece of Doc McStuffins merch and every small child that age and that gender <laughs> that I that I have encountered owns Doc McStuffins. So like this, he was well. Well, he, he, he was like Disney sure, level. sure. I would say his figures were not very high quality. If you look at them, they don't look anything like him, and they look like they're melting, <laughs> actively melting. That, that that was the one thing. It, they look like the wrestling figures. Okay, so I was not a normal girl, as my mom calls me, and I had a lot of wrestling figures growing up, and they kind of remind me of that. Yeah, they they were like poorly sculpted plastic. You could tell that they were handmade. I used to make my my wrestling dolls marry each other. <laughs> well, that's the agenda right there. So they if, should add that. If to The wrestling. Rock and Stone Cold Steve Austin ever meet, they married each other in my <laughs> in Barbie's dream house, just so they know. Just so that they, I'm pretty sure Stone Cold Steve Austin, uh, Steen, blah, 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 if I can pronounce his name. <laughs> I can pronounce all these other names, but Stone Cold Steve Austin. <laughs> he flutes me. Yeah. So, still. Anyway, change your name, man. It's unpronounceable by the general English public, and by that I mean me. The Rock, Dwayne The Rock Johnson, on the other hand, just rolls off the tongue. Um... He's fabulous, and he's like pretty high up there on Twitter. He's pretty well. That that of <laughs> course Instagram. means that of course means everything. Um, yeah. I where what were we talking about? We went to how awful the food is and the, how the, the figures f- and like how how like the food's place in this world and why is he a villain? Like why is he a villain? There's no point. There's uh, yeah. Except for the fact that he just wanted to make the he whole. He looks film. fabulous. I feel like all of his films start with like an idea like one idea and he's Robert like, Rodriguez yeah I think he just goes I want to film about a children's toy blah blah, blah or I something feel, or like, like you know miniature what? animals or shark hey, JJ, boy and lava girl That's JJ it. I feel like the impetus for this film was what if there were spies who were children and not what if a popular maker of a tv show for children was also secretly an i'm not evil saying mastermind. that i'm saying that it's like one or like he has like one or two like dreams and he's like well that's what i'm gonna make the entire thing about he's obsessed with dreams so possibly yes i feel like that's what happened um yeah i do want to say that all the flashback scenes were interesting okay um especially that weird flat like Okay, okay, I think the, we should, we should talk about the wedding scene. No, I'm not gonna. Before we get into the wedding scene, we have to talk about the fact that the other one other flashback scene, the the biggest flashback scene in the film, does not look anything like that scene. And it's the one where they have to he has to destroy the brain and he doesn't. Yes, and he uses a walnut mm-hmm. because like where did he get the walnut? And Don't nobody know, but noticed. Okay. And nobody noticed. Nobody noticed. Um, I guess somebody found, figured it out at the end because they realized that he didn't destroy the walnut. They didn't, he didn't destroy the brain because they were trying to find it. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, like, that flashback scene looked wildly different than the other flashback scene. Yeah, and I, f- I feel like, like, because it, it's very white. 
There's a lot of white. I wonder if they had a bit different dresser because there was a lot, a lot, a lot of white. It looked very which, sterile. Yeah, which made sterile. Sense, I guess. Uh, and clinical, which yeah, I think makes sense. But I, I mean, think it also it could also be like a subtle indication because uh, Minion was also in all white, like a connection between Minion, like he was part of that team. Because when they first show that flashback scene, you don't know that Minion's secretly the big villain behind everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you also don't know that he used to work for the OSS. Yeah. Um, Honestly, the OSS should hire, like, should should screen these people better. Because all the villains are, like, OSS members. Yeah, all the villains turn out to be OSS. <laughs> and in, and uh, including the dad in a strange way. Because had he not done that, had he just destroyed the third brain, yeah, he would have been good. And the fact that they didn't track Minion or whatever the hell his real name was they mention it only once it's not it was important. like it was like carl or something he, no it's, he's contractually ovulated to always be called something with an n minion monk that's got to be what it is that just <laughs> he likes the m's um, it's his thing it's his thing. it's his brand <laughs> i like how i like how we haven't bothered to look up what his name actually is He's just monk to me. And He's just monk. It is very scary that we are, as we do this, we're, he, the screen is just his face staring at us <laughs> intensely. <laughs> it is. And it's upsetting. Because we, we have the movie up in the background, in in, in front of us. Uh, so let's talk about the wedding scene. Because I feel like that sh- uh, demonstrates a lot of the best and worst aspects of the film. From a story perspective, I think the wedding perspe- uh, the wedding scene is like the whole like flashback story that the mom tells is great. It's well paced. The it was a little cheesy. It was but a little it was, like, che- made sense. But I feel like some of it right might have been kind. done bigger than it actually probably was. Yeah, it was the right kind of cheesy. It felt like a story. Like it felt like you were looking at Carmen Judy's imagination of what this, this was. What this was. I love the fact that she punishes punches the swans, but I didn't like the editing or the shooting of that part. Yeah, but... it was weird. Okay, so she goes to punch the swan, and when it cuts in to a close-up of the fist actually hitting the swan, <laughs> it goes in from a different angle from it was being shot. Uh, so when you, when you cut into something, uh, so say you are, like, for her, the camera was behind her. It was kind of over her shoulder. You see her on the left side of the screen. Mm-hmm. And the swan on the right side of the screen. And she goes to punch in. You see the start of that motion. And then it cuts in. And usually you're supposed to cut in down the barrel. So when you do a close-up, you're basically moving the camera just forward like a it's like a easy mistake to make because the camera didn't actually move very much. Yeah. Uh, over to the left. Over to the left. Yeah, it was just it was just a little bit. I mean, it, it was just a little just bit, but everything. it was enough that mm-hmm. that the angle kind of changed. And it just it was just distracting, and then it just doesn't get better because I think that the it kind of just I think the beginning of it. Bar, bear in mind, like, there's some, like, cheesy wigs and, like, yeah, yeah. But I the feel heart-shaped like that was... box and, like, I think the Paris whole thing was a little cheesy, but, like, it I worked. liked it. I it liked worked. it. I liked how they showed the progression of time through it by ch- having her hair change. Yes. Like, I enjoyed those things. Um, 
But the wedding scene, the editing specifically around just the part where they're getting married. Oof. Uh, they Not use great. crossfades. Holy crossfades. Don't use crossfades. Okay, crossfades, crossfades can be used, but they should only be used sparingly. And with incredible importance. Okay, so for reference, like in recent years, um, they kind of use crossfades in the favorite when they overlap the faces and then the bunnies. Mm-hmm. It's a type of crossfade. It's a little bit more artistically used. But it's technically a crossfade of of different things overlapping the one face. Um, But they don't, it's not a cut technically. Yeah. But it is a crossfade. And you're, so that was artistically done and it's thought out and it has very significant importance to the storyline. Yeah. You have to be very careful. No reason. Because Except here's, for being here's the thing. there and being different. Here's the thing. you're With crossfades, you're juxtaposing two images, mm-hmm. essentially. And if those two images, it doesn't give you a deeper meaning by juxtaposing yeah. them, then you shouldn't do it. And it's even weirder because it's her face again it, Yeah, it's, again it's like, again. and it wasn't like a careful composition of the crossfade either. It was like very haphazardly, would... his face kind of covering her face as it's crossfading over. No, it actually went from her face to their, both of their faces. Yeah. I almost would have, be- it, it would have almost been okay. Like, I wouldn't have said, yes, definitely do a crossfade because I, I as a person just don't like crossfades. Um, if it crossfade from her face to his face and then back to her face and then a, then to kind of show as a union type idea. Yeah. As opposed to like doing it from her face to her face to like their faces together. Yeah. Yeah. It just, it just felt messy. Yeah. Yeah. It felt almost like they didn't have enough things to cut to. So they just were like, okay, okay, we'll just do it like this. Yeah. I mean the, but the production design, the editing wasn't great and the coloring wasn't great. I love the, I love the wedding cake. I and love I the wedding cake. Some people say they don't like the dress that we were we were watching it with. I enjoyed the dress. I think it made sense for her. I like the fact that it was practical for running. It was specifically designed for that. Um, but it wasn't. It didn't break character completely and put her in like pants because she is like supposed to. She is a feminine, uh, yeah. type woman. Um, and she would get married in a dress, but it like it was equipped for running. And I like the cross necklace. Like it was very well put together. Yeah, it made sense. It made sense for the time period in which they would have been getting married, which had been in like the early nineties. Yeah. So yeah, it all together went very well. I really, really adore the cake. I I really like when they use non-white wedding cakes and things. Yeah, I also liked how the the subtle details, like they got the priest's vestments correct, which is something that I don't normally see in film. Like I'm I was raised Catholic, and I've I've been to hella Catholic weddings, um, and so the particular uh, vestments that he was wearing were correct for a wedding because uh, a lot of priests have like a very specific vestment that they wear i've sometimes seen them wear like more plain stuff mm-hmm. although i don't think those were necessarily catholic weddings it's just blah. but anyway on the catholic weddings that i have been to they do we- wear that 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 sash across that has those different colors that is that is traditional for i've that. only been to a gay catholic wedding and i feel like they did not they probably the were rules. not following it was those. rainbow thingy around him so that's a big mood this is um 
But I also the one thing about the priest I really did like is I like the fact that after they escape, they do cut back to the priest. And he's crossing the- himself, which reminds me of this time when I was in mass as a child. But it was a gorgeous shot, too. It was, like, from below it of him. beautiful. Just, it was very, very... And it was it funny. Might have, it might have been, like, the, the best, best shot, shot in, in the, the film. film. Yeah, um, yeah. Which is weird because I don't like the flashbacks. I don't think the flashback is the best scene in the film, but I think that is... Yeah, yeah, like, that, well that is, done. like, the best little moment in the film. And what was so funny, it's so, like, the idea of him, like, crossing himself and blessing them as they're going is so fucking Catholic. I remember when I was uh, in Mass as a child once, there was this old guy who, like, passed out. He had, like, a stroke or something in the middle of Mass. And what? so they, yeah, so they had to call in an ambulance, obviously, an EMT. And... <laughs> As the EMTs are coming in, the mascot, like, paused for this. The priest comes over and performs final rites on this old guy just in case he dies. And and it's like, like, like a, the final rites and a blessing on him while the EMTs are coming in to check up on him and take him away. So I've seen last rites a lot as somebody who's been in the hospital a lot. So, so I can imagine this happening some reason it's a very catholic thing to be sending people off while while continuing to bless them it's very (laughs) catholic um i just i just really enjoy i feel like i feel like he inserted that into the film because he grew up catholic and he doesn't see enough catholic stuff in films so he just inserted it i think it was a very self-inserted thing yeah 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 but it was fun i I also i also like the fact that their parachutes were heart-shaped i thought that was very i think it ties in with the fact that the wedding box also the ring box is also a heart-shaped too yeah yeah and and the fact that they had just married on their getaway boat was so funny i love the fact that it's kind of implied that they knew they were gonna have to make a getaway or that they this was just gonna be the the exit that they were planning yeah like Like the exit was that they were planning was to like deploy this so that's interesting, um, and says a lot about their characters. Yep. Yep. That was a lot of fun. I also like the little cameo of Machete at the very beginning. Yeah. I, I, I like I the I think fi- the whole, every scene with, I think he honestly- He steals the show. Well, him, the- him, Alan Cumming, and the guy who plays Monk. <laughs> Monk man. <laughs> um, I think they stole the show. They have the best well-written scenes, I think. Um, but can we really talk about the fact that Machete is Tony Stark and a war criminal? Yeah, Machete, that's a, that's a very, Machete is a war criminal. He, he was selling weapons to Syria. Like, you see on the roof of his shop, there's a big crate that's labeled to Syria. And he's like, and he explicitly says, yeah, I also, I sell weapons to both sides. And we, we both, when we heard him say that, we're like, Machete is a war criminal. <laughs> Oh my gosh, Machete is a war criminal. <laughs> He's Tony Stark. Yeah, you are very opinionated on Tony Stark, and I'm just like, yeah, Tony Stark, not my favorite. <laughs> uh, but you're you're very this opinionated. This is yeah, yeah. Uh, he's he's uh, Latino Tony Stark, which is very interesting. Um, I want them to. I want to do a deep dive into his character. I want honestly. We I w- should do the Machete films. Here's a, no. Do you know what I was wondering? Because his name is a machete. Do you think that like because these films take place in the same universe? Do you by any chance think that he's also machete kills in this universe? That like when he's not with the kids and being a good uncle, he's like you know 
machete yeah (laughs) yeah could that be happening because that's like my head cannon for some reason because it seems like in this universe all he does is is i feel like he has to have a light outside of this right he's just the cue of this universe also the green screen in the in the in the that entire like story sequence was so bad yeah i wasn't expecting it to be good yeah the green screen in this film in general is very obvious this is obviously b team um, because it's exteriors, and yeah, yeah. you can tell. I, w- I feel like they shot this at the same location they shot the exterior zoom-in of, um, Carmen. Yeah. Yeah, that was another thing. The, the house, their actual house is clearly a CGI model and not a real model, and it looks so bad. And I don't know why they didn't just make a model. I don't know if they ran out of time mm-hmm. before production to do it. Yeah. Or what was up with that. Or if just because of the shot that they were planning, they decided, oh, let's just make it all CGI because it is going to be partially CGI because they're moving in. Because, the, yeah. like, the start of the film is this shot it's of the not of the smooth house. either. Like, and it's, yeah, it is jittery. When you watch it, you can see it, like, little... You can see it jitter. Jitter a little. I Whoever was the operator was... Well, not the, op- the opera. It was the CGI artist. No, I, mean, I was talking about the camera movements are not smooth. Oh, yeah. Well, those are also not smooth sometimes. I think particularly in that scene, it's the most jarring. The, like, just going up to the house. I felt like that was... It really, like, was... I Maybe it's just because of the first shot that it was just, like, wow. But it just... I think the I jib think they used was... a jib, and I think they had... It was not a good place to use a jib because of, I think they definitely had to keep the... The ocean is real, right? Yeah. Uh, we I don't know. We should look into that. Uh... Because I know that the house itself was CGI. Yeah. And, and they so, probably just built the window and around the window. And I feel like they had to use a jib to get... Yeah. To zoom into her. And... Which is weird. That's, which is weird quality. because of the fact that in some scenes they just use a weird zoom thing where they, like, zoom in tiny amounts. Yeah, yeah. Where they either, like... It looks like they speed... They sped up the, the zoom... Yeah. In a weird way. It's a very stylistic thing, and it looks strange. In some scenes, it's, like, extremely, like, noticeable and will take you out. But some parts of it, it just flows into it almost. And I... I like some of the camera movements. Some of the... Like, I like some of the shot choices. I like some of the shot choices when it came to, like... As I said before, I I really think that the, the, the flute set got the most work put into it by the crew and in general yeah and i think that yeah the shots really it shows that those are way better done yeah um yeah so i think that that kind of wraps things up so this movie held up surprisingly well i was i was going into it i was expecting as an adult to think this film wasn't very good but i actually enjoyed it because honestly most of the issues are very technical like story-wise it's a a very strong story-wise it's just technical things and honestly some of that might have been because they were rushed some of it could have been because of budgetary issues yeah it was only uh i was actually shocked that the budget was as big as it was yeah i did not and i feel like some of the budget went to like the people they hired yes uh um, they they hired some big now like a, a lot of the budget might have just gone to getting george clooney as a cameo at the end george clooney alan cumman was pretty big already yeah um this was right when he was starting to get into antonio banderas 
uh, was extremely popular at this time. Yeah, even even with his good relationship with them, he it, it was that, and also um, he was probably paying Misha the, uh, pretty well because they're he knows them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the reason the the only reason he got away with it, I feel like, is because he did take on certain crew positions that normally would have paid more. Like uh, he was editing this, didn't he edit it, or did he co-edit it? He, I'm pretty sure on this one. He, he also spent a lot of money getting Skywalker film, uh, Skywalker films. Yep, um, yep. To do he the... had Skywalker films. Yeah, the sound, sound is like one of my more areas of expertise. The sound on this was not good. The mix was not good. But the the mix on the like there was quite a few times where the dialogue was too quiet. The actual rec- quality of the recording was fine. It was just the the mixing and post that wasn't very good. And I also... The score was interesting, though. The score was good, though. But the only issue I have with it is that they use... They, they obviously couldn't buy a, a, like a lot of pieces of the score, so therefore they reused certain... Yeah, like the... Like, they had the score recorded and mixed at, at Skywalker Sound, which is one of, one of the best places to have your score uh, mixed because you know and recorded because it's skywalker sound um and they got danny elfman to write a lot of the music and you can really tell because it is very it's like the floop the floop theme theme. is so danny elfman which is better in the credit sequence than it is actually in in the the film. film and this is why because skywalker sound mixed the music the music sounds great but the problem is they took the music and then put it into the film and then mixed the music with the dialogue and the sound effects and the background noise Especially poorly. the dialogue, especially I feel like that was, because well, I feel like that the, the the flute theme song was actually like probably the best song in, at, the, in the film. Yeah. And it kind of got destroyed by the flutes in the background. Yeah, yeah. So in the sequence where we see flute recording uh, his show, in the virtual room you can barely even hear you can't really make out very well what floop is singing um which is strange to me because in the ending credit scene you could very clearly make out what he was saying but also there was the the flooped the the floopy or whatever the flugelies the fugelies in the background were making noises um and and things like that yeah um, and the sound, and because of the combination of the music and the sound effects, it, it distracted the ear from Alan Cummings singing and made it very hard to hear. Um, yeah. So that could have been it. Um, but, uh, yeah. Any, like, like, it holds up, and honestly, if the job of the film was to sell me McDonald's, it did, because I definitely- It looks delicious. I definitely wanted to buy A McDonald's fries. meal, Yeah afterwards and also i feel like that's just i i also feel like the that that was a that whole scene was a big just suspend your disbelief like the food magically appearing thing. yeah 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 was, that was i like was when it happened, happened i was like how how am i my brother our, was like oh this is how they do that and i'm like, I'm no, like no i know no, how no, they no. do that I but know, like why i know how they did that on set 
but I'm wondering within the logic of the film how that happened. Because she opens the cupboards and opens the fridge and nothing's there. And then there's like this weird sound effect. And then she opens the cupboards again and opens the fridge again and they're now stocked with stuff. And money. And I'm like, they have money. And there's, <laughs> well, that's less, less confusing. Because, like, but there's just a magically appearing money. I want to know how that happened. I want to. I want to get in on that. How do I get magically appearing money? Um, so yeah, I was very, yeah. I it was not nearly as terrifying as an adult to watch, and as a child, I was still grossed out by the food. I was grossed out by the food when I was a child, and I'm still grossed out by the food now. I also feel like they couldn't afford Antonio Banderas a lot because that's why they did not have him in a foogly suit. He was. It was just the hand. It was definitely just the hand. Um, and it was, it was interesting to see some of the things that I was like, yeah, when I was a child, I just bought this. Like, I just, I believed it, um, Mm -hmm. on a lot of things. And as an adult, it's like, oh, I can kind of see the logic flaws in that. I, it was also funny because I could just, like, seeing scenes and being like, oh, I remember this, like, the scene where he's watching, uh, Floop's Fooglies in the car, and this, and the specific line at the end where the kids are tossing up all the villains and throwing them around, and a minion goes, it just goes in one ear and out the other. I remember that line. The squeaky voice they give him at the end after they switch him, yes. Yes. Yes, I remember that. I misremembered the film, though, because I thought Floop got transformed uh i was like i was waiting for fluke to get transformed and then he didn't and i was like oh minion got transformed instead Uh, that's what it was um but here's the thing you i feel like this is like you have to suspend your disbelief just like you have to suspend your disbelief when you watch films like willy wonka yeah and willy wonka is still a good movie like you know the original one the original one not 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 charlie and the chocolate factory johnny depp whatever happened there um but you kind of have to just suspend your disbelief just enough to, like, realize, like, okay, this can exist in this world. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, so, yeah, it held up shockingly well to me. Um, and some of the effects held up better than I, I, re- I thought that they would. Like, the thumb-thumbs. They don't hold up well. that well. I think the best things were the thumb-thumbs, honestly. The thumb-thumbs. I liked a lot of the character animation on the thumb-thumbs. It was very fun. I liked the way that there was the one thumb-thumb that was always more clumsy than the others. I thought that was a very fun thing. I, I liked the Here's... idea of adding that little bit of extra character to these otherwise faceless, well, yeah. actually faceless minions. The one thing that really kind of disturbed me, though, was the fact... It, it didn't even disturb me. It was just, like, I was confused by it was... Why did they not even try to disguise um, Donovan? Like, it was very obvious that it was him just with his mouth stretched. Whereas all the other Fooglies are, like, completely different. Yeah. Like, they look like they're different creatures or from a different planet. Whereas, like, he looks like he's just, like, his face is stretched out. I guess it's because they, they needed Antonio Banderas to be able to spot him. While he's trying to drive the car and then almost run over the fucking, uh, the... That poor the, lady. The, the, uh, crossing guard. Yeah. I like, that's another thing. I liked how sometimes I'd be like, hey, but what about this? And then the film would answer my question. Yeah. Like, like, it wouldn't, like, one of my pet peeves, one of my pet peeves in films is when there's a driving scene and the actors are looking at everything but the road. Because here's the thing, when they're shooting driving scenes, um, hey, you're not baby driver. General, general, 
Turn off AP driver. General practice is, and this is required also by unions, is you cannot actually make an actor drive because they are supposed to be acting at the same time and they cannot safely drive and act at the same time. So anytime you see an actor in a car driving, what's actually happening is that their car has been hitched to a different vehicle and that vehicle is like pulling the car along. Or you're, they're using a green screen on a lot. Or they're is, using uh, less likely now, but it was more used before. Or they they had this thing like back 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 in the day when they just had like a, a sliding uh, picture that <laughs> yeah, went yeah, yeah, around yeah. and around in a circle behind them. And sometimes it's like a remotely driven car, but that's usually more for stunts and effects. Um, yeah, that's not as widely used, and also it's more expensive. To it's use. a lot more expensive because so you, you not, have to like specially outfit the car. I I think that they use that a few times in um in things like Fast and the Furious, so I don't think it's just like general use. Yeah, so it's shockingly held up. Uh, I thought it was a pretty good, pretty good kids flick, worth watching. Yeah, I feel like this is definitely one of the ones that people are gonna like. It holds up enough, especially if you're gonna show it to your kids. Yeah, they're gonna buy it. Yeah, like, kids are gonna definitely fall for it, because it makes kid set logic sense. Yeah. I don't know if they'll buy the CGI quite as well, because kids these days are more used to better CGI. Yeah. Than we were when we were kids. Definitely, but... Yeah. Um, so, that kind of wraps up our first episode, I suppose. Yeah, and then we'll be doing Spy Kids 2 next week. week. Uh, we've got, uh, just for some housekeeping, we've got an email, a Twitter, and a YouTube. Our email, if you want to ask us questions or make recommendations or just send us general fan mail, our email is, let me pull it up, filmmatespodcast at gmail.com. That is F-I-L-M-M-A-T-E-S. P-O-D-C-A-S-T at gmail.com. And our Twitter is also at Filmmates Podcast. Uh, and our YouTube uh, will be Filmmates Podcast as well. Uh, so, yeah. Next week is Spy Kids 2. Thanks for tuning in and listening to us and hearing to a, uh, us rant and ruin films. Uh, hope to hear, hope you stick around and what we got to say about Spike It's 2 next week. Bye-bye. Bye.